Welcome to another podcast of uh, NLX Network Lead Exchange Extra Mile. Today we have Gloria Maynard, <laughs> the Director of Bu Business Development for Investment Title. Okay. Right. <laughs> She's also a founding member of NLX, Correct. a lifelong entrepreneur, mm -hmm. okay, a dynamic networker, I can I can say that <laughs> firsthand, and a mentor to many. Okay. Gloria, I want to welcome you here. Thank you very much for being on the podcast, The Extra Mile. Thank you for being a founding member of Network Lead Exchange, NLX. Uh, and uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to give you a little bit of an opportunity to tell us a little bit more about investment title. Okie dokie. <laughs> what do you want to know? <laughs> well, it's, I, it's not what I want to like, know. It's like, I don't know I, what I want to know. I, we're doing this. We're doing this so, you know, the audience uh -huh. can learn more about you. Okay. okay. Well, maybe what I'll share first, because I'm guessing that not everybody is interested in the fine details of title insurance, although I find it very interesting. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think the majority of individuals, unless you've recently purchased a home, okay, or, or refinance the home. I don't think there's many people that really know what title insurance right. is. Okay. Well, I'm going to start at the beginning because okay. it, it, um, it's, it's an interesting journey. Title insurance itself, um, in my personal career, I find to be an interesting, uh, you know, journey. And this may, this may be what resonates with people because we do, we all have this journey we go on and finding our profession, our calling, or whatever. Sometimes it's very um, orchestrated. Sometimes, uh, unfortunately, it's by default. And sometimes you just fall into something. And it's like, wow, you know, uh, I didn't expect this. And so anyway, I'll start at the beginning with that. Um, when I was in high school, I didn't quite know what I wanted to go to college for. I was the youngest of seven. No one put a lot of pressure on me. It was just like, <laughs> Decide what you want to do and you'll be successful. And I was like, okay, <laughs> everybody, all the other, all your six older siblings are successful in what they're doing. So, um, so I didn't have that real guidance, but I was very driven to find something of meaningful to me. So what I chose to do was take uh, a year to really explore. And I was very intentional about that. I took some courses at the local county college, some finance, some other things I was interested in. Um, I made it was very important to me to talk to people in other professions, you know, um, but I, I, I chose to take a job that was offered to me. My older sister had, uh, and she's 21 years older than I, so she's already, you know, a professional. She has her own business and she had a title insurance agency. So, of course, I was familiar with what it was from just a you know, perspective of being around her. So she offered me come to the courthouse and start searching titles. Um, as a very entry level. <clears throat> so that's the job I took. Um, back then, it was very um, hands-on. Technology has changed, the industry has changed, but back then, I'd go into the courthouse. Um, there were large books, like these huge books <laughs> that you take out and plop them down. I know the books. <laughs> it's actually, the term is actually called slinging. Okay. You're slinging the books. That's like the terminology. So I'm in, in the courthouse, hall of records, slinging the books. And a couple of things I decided even early on. Now it's, it's an environment where a lot of people are casual because they're slinging books all day and they're writing and they're doing things. And it's not like, you know, an office setting. But I chose even at 18 to dress professionally every day. 
It's a choice I made. So I, I, I never went in in jeans and a t-shirt, although that dress code is perfectly fine. It was just my perspective to treat it a certain way. So I went in and, you know, you had to trace these chains back. You were involved with history. You had to know law. You had to know land law. You had to know um, estate law because you're going into estates and surrogates. You had to know corporate, uh, all different kinds of laws as it affects the chain of title that you're searching. You also had to do plotting. You know, back then, literally, you'd take a chain of title back to what's called the mother lot to where it came out of, and you're in the 1800s, you know, and you've got this old map and this big tract of land, you get out your graph paper and your protractor, and you are plotting this big thing. And so it was very, um, very interesting work on a lot of levels. Um, I was reading old handwritten deeds and conveyances and mortgages and stuff. And you could see as, as you go back earlier and earlier, the, the change in hands, handwriting styles and, um, the different language. And, and, and it was very interesting work. Um, so then, um, I think because I brought a certain competency, you know, I, I was just competent. I learned how to do it and I was pretty good at it. And also a professionalism, I was given the opportunity um, to advance. So I began to, um, other people uh, were brought into the business, I would train them. So I became, you know, a, a more senior person, um, even at a young age. Uh, my sister, who obviously had an interest in me and is an incredible mentor, she wasn't going to give anything to me just because I was her sister. <laughs> I had to be very good at what I did, but she right. did see the talent I had and my potential. So she did give me opportunity. So it was, a, it was, it was a combination of the two that put me in that place. Um, anyway, I decided to, uh, in this journey of finding out what I wanted to do in life and go to college for, uh, I discovered, you know, I, I had settled on architecture because I had, you know, interviewed architects. And that's where I, so I made the decision. I left the job I was working at and went to school for architecture. And lo and behold, it turns out, hey, I can actually, when I apply myself, I can actually do that math. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> and so I was doing just fine, but I had an idea for a business. When I was searching, I would see surveyors come in. Now, this is back before anything was online. Surveyors would come in and they'd spend like a rain day or something and they'd be running around trying to get the deeds. And they were they they never were great at what they did, but they were, you know, proficient. And it was always an interruption in what they were doing. And then these guys started coming in with these big maps. Guess who they were? The right of way agents laying down the cable lines and stuff. Okay. Oh, wow. And, and, and all those like phone lines and all that. And so that was a thing. They needed to find all these property owners so they could approach them. Anyway, so my idea, you know, the entrepreneurial, right. like an entrepreneur spends their life seeing a problem being like, Ooh, I think I, I think I might have a way to solve that problem. And I wonder if people would, you know, pay me to do that, you know, <laughs> and then you, you figure it out from there. Anyway, I did have this uh, idea. And so I, I was actually living with my brother and his wife, and he was a senior pilot at American Airlines. And so he only had to work like three days a month because he's a senior pilot. And he got very interested in my idea because, uh, and, and, and ultimately we just decided to go for it. It's like, let's start a business. So 
I left school because I was like, I can go to school anytime. And and you can. Sometimes you're faced with an opportunity. And really, the timing of the business opportunity is literally then. And you can go back to school. So I decided, uh, you know, let's go for it. So we started this business. Um, we called it County Connections. And it was specifically to this niche. And it took off. And ultimately, at age 19, 20, I guess I was maybe 20, 21 at the time, I'm with senior engineers, I'm with DOT engineers, I'm with, I'm in a world where I am definitely young and, um, you know, around people far further in their careers than I, but I knew my little part, you know, I'd go into a meeting kind of nervous. I remember going down to DOT and talking to the guy who's like, we're going to put on this off ramp, you know, we need to figure out all the people who own these lands, we need to figure out all the easements already there and stuff. And um, it, it was nerve wracking. But the minute he started talking, he pulled out the map. I'm like, oh, I know how to do that. <laughs> and so we hired employees. Uh, we had employees covering the state and we created this system. So then you have to systematize and monetize what you're doing, bring it to market. And it did provide for this niche market. Um, the niche market didn't last forever because then... Uh, you know, uh, records came online and the, 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 you I know, was the right of ways. That. Did yeah. all, all that, so, so, and, and going back to not to, not to mm -hmm. interrupt here, but going back to slinging the books are all those books online now too, or do you still have to go yes. and sling those books? Um, I think the, uh, people are still in the counties, right? Um, you can access a lot online and I'm still teaching. I'm still mentoring people to do that. Now I work with realtors and I'm actually going to do a, uh, a, a little class pretty soon where I'm showing them how to access these records online and and get uh, leads, you know, and find, you know, people in pre-foreclosure or something like that. So, um, but, but to answer your question, I think the old books, I don't know if they've imaged them. They may have imaged them. I don't know if the oldest ones are accessible, but I got to tell you, it's really fascinating, you know, right. really fascinating stuff when you read some of the things, you know, okay. especially no. the old estates. I got to tell you, yeah. there's, some, there's some drama, even new estates. There's, there's some drama there. you know. <laughs> and of course, as a searcher, you find a good one and you're like, you go back and you're like, Hey, look at what I found in surrogates. Oh my gosh. He specifically said that his son is cut off because he's been ungrateful or something. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So. All right. So going, going back to your business then, what happened, what happened to. So, uh, and, and then some personal things in his right. life and whatever, we wrapped up the business and moved on. So, so then I was at a decision point again. Okay. And I could, I could have gone back to architecture. And to this day, I love architecture. And it's kind of a hobby of mine, more into photographing and enjoying architecture more than building it. But nonetheless, um, the choice was then, you know, I was so well positioned at that point to segue back into the title insurance business. And again, I fell into it. I just fell into it. Who knew? So I segued back in. Um, I was licensed. So this is an industry that's governed by the Department of Banking and Insurance, and you have to get licensed, and you have to, you know, uh, maintain your license and all that. So um, and it's an interesting business, and this is like many others that you can only learn from within. And that makes you ultimately more and more and more valuable. That was my, that was my next question to yeah. you is in college, there's no courses None. right now None. for investment. Okay. okay. No, there's <laughs> not. Not only that, attorneys, it's like there are different segments of what people can learn in college. You can learn 
Uh, so part of it is um, underwriting, insurance underwriting principles. Okay. You have to know this is truly an insurance product. So you have to know how to mitigate and analyze and mitigate risk. You have to know how to put forth a commitment to insure um, with requirements, exceptions, and you have to make those decisions based on insurance. Like, you know, how what is our risk here, risk evaluation? Um, it is law, you know, it is truly law. Um, and so even attorneys, when they come out, they learn m- much of the law, but the, the specifics of title insurance, they don't learn. So I've had attorneys that I've coached and mentored and shown, taught how to do closings and manage all of that, you know, but we are the title insurance element of it. Um, then there's, you know, there's history and there's all these other elements that come into play when you're actually looking at um, how the, the story comes together. And there are elements there that you just have to know intuitively, you know, something is not right here. And all I have is the, the historical record, you know, and what does, what does that what does that tell me? What do I need more information on? So it's kind of like being a um, an investigator. You know, you are investigating certain things and we have to think out of the box to get the information we need. Um, so anyway, it, it's very interesting, but uh, you do need, and, and just I'm paralleling this with other interesting, if we're talking about how, what's your career path, what's your story, what's your journey? Like I said, sometimes you fall into it in an unexpected ways and you learn, wow, I can become extremely valuable. And the only way to do that, it's not a college education. It's this path over here where I show my value. Someone takes a a personal interest and you find mentors along the way and you build your experience and your credibility over time. And so that was my journey. And I became at a very young age, a junior title officer, which is the second Second position in my early 20s, the second position of a, a title agency. And then I became a senior title officer. Then I became an owner of, uh, you know, my own agency. Um, and in between all that, I had four kids and raising, <laughs> oh you know, gosh. and all that. But, but um, you know, so it was it was a work-life balance thing, too, that, you know, and that's the reality of the whole journey. We recently, uh, and uh, this is pr- just pre-pandemic, the pandemic didn't hit yet. It was it was just a few months outside of the pandemic. We helped uh, my oldest son purchase a home. Mm-hmm. And this was the first time I ever witnessed a title agent do the closing instead of an attorney. Yeah. Is that is that common today? Yeah. So when I started, it was very attorney driven. Right. Um, attorneys were the first person that someone would see. I'm thinking about buying a house. Then they would find a realtor and a lender. And, you know, but the attorney was a very central part of that. Um, things have happened and they would do the closings. They'd have the escrow account. They would get all the documents, et cetera. Um, so today, the title agency does all of that. I mean, we, from, from when a contract is out of attorney room, and this is North Jersey and South Jersey and other states, it's different. So in North Jersey, um, attorneys are involved, there's contract review. And after the contract review period, 
uh, you know, order for title starts. And then we pull the trigger and do a whole bunch of searches. I mean, I, I could get into that. It's not just a title search. It's, it's, um, judgment searches of multiple levels of courts everywhere from, you know, the county level to the New Jersey Superior Court. Various courts, um, you know, have different judgments in them. It's taxes. It's the survey evaluation. It's, it's a whole number of things that come all together for, for a title officer to analyze and create, you know, the, the title binder. Okay. We will ensure title if this happens, you know, and then we take responsibility for the closing as a settlement agency. We have all the money, all the, the, the documents come to us from the lender. The seller's attorney sends us the transfer documents and all of that. We, we run the closing. Uh, we do the disbursements, recordings, all the whole nine. And that transition took place because the RESPA laws changed and because of, you know, just practicalities, you know, no one is making money on closings. I mean, a title insurance agency makes money on the insurance premium. You know, that's what, you know, the, 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 the main focus of what we do. An attorney makes money on, you know, law, like advising law, representing, you know, for their time. Um, you know, the the closing itself, pushing the money around and doing all that as important as it is, it's it's more functional, it's more transactional than, you know, you know, and it is a lot of risk. So on one hand, um, it's a relief to the attorney because they can focus on the law, they can focus on representations as they need to with their client. And um, it's it's an asset to us, not financially, but because we have control over it. Because we, you know, we know where the money is. We know things are getting recorded. We know the documents. We're the one approving the documents, et cetera. So I think it's 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 more secure for us that way. Um, and that's just the way things are done now. Yeah. And why, just out of curiosity, I was not aware that something, uh, the transaction was different in South Jersey. Why yeah, do there's you no attorneys. It's just the, it's the title agency. So I see, I thought that was a New Jersey state law that you had to have an attorney at, at the close, not, not at no. the closing, but an attorney to purchase a home here no. or property. No, okay. there are certain, so each, each state has laws, um, at the state level laws are, are determined of what is the practice of law and what is not the practice of law. So in New Jersey, a title agency can do a title search and, um, you know, a title search, as I've described as the title search. Um, then it goes into the the title examiner, uh, who's also called the title officer, and they evaluate it. They do the title binder, et cetera. And none of that is considered practice of law. Uh, or as interestingly enough, preparing a deed has to be done by an attorney. So we would actually, you know, hire, you know, attorney, even if you close without an attorney, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, a deed has to be prepared by an attorney. So, so that's fine. Now, in other states, um, for example, North Carolina, I believe, um, what I've just described, the, the certifying the title search is considered a practice of law. The closing is considered a practice of law. So title agencies have a very smaller scope of what they do. Um, and an attorney, we call it an attorney state. So New Jersey is not a quote unquote attorney state. Uh, other states are quote unquote attorney states. Um, so, well, you know, it, Jersey, it really depends. It, would, would New Jersey be considered an attorney state in the Northern part? No, because it's not mandatory. It's traditional. 
Okay. It's customary. Okay. And right. it's what people choose to do. If you get someone from another state, I talked to someone um, from Staten Island or something. They were buying property in New Jersey and they're, you know, so I was talking to them about, you know, the, the whole process. And they said, well, why do I need an attorney? I didn't need an attorney when, I bought, when they bought their property. But, um, and this is, you know, multiple other states, people don't have attorneys. So in effect, the, the realtor is writing the contract. That's the contract. And it doesn't go under review. Um, so you. now, you know, in the end, I think it's just important that, uh, that, uh, that the consumer is educated and they make the choices that are best for them. I like working with attorneys because you have a lot of representation as a buyer, you know, and um, these days, realtors are very proactive. They are very involved. I call them, they're on the front lines. They're doing more negotiations. They're, they're quarterbacking. They're trusted advisors. Um, used to be that they were just showing houses, you know, and they would do a lot less. Um, your lender, you know, there are a lot of different loan products and there's, there's credit repair and, you know, they should be a team player with you and bring real asset to you from a financial, you know, positioning perspective. And attorneys have their role, you know, and they, you know, there are things that, that, that really need an attorney's representation, you know, and I've seen it. No, it's not every case where there's a lot of, uh, a lot of attorney, um, legal advice or they step in, but there are some, and I just, I just heard of a terrible situation where, you know, I won't get into it, but the right. attorney really had to step in because the seller was not doing the right thing. And then they, you know, they, they had to have a use and occupancy agreement. And this is a real person's life. This is really a person who now has no home right. because of, you know, no, and, and, yeah. and you know, I, I, I don't know, what, what are your feelings, you know, whether you're purchasing in an attorney state or a non-attorney state, what are your feelings? Do, do you feel that everyone should involve an attorney in a transaction such as a, such as a home? Or do you feel that uh, the realtor uh, and the title agency can guide them through the, the purchase? Um, I, I think it's really a personal decision, um, you know, and I think people... I would, the thing I would say is don't nickel and dime. Right. Don't. I mean, you know, be very careful. Um, and, you know, be an educated consumer. There's enough information out there that you can ask questions, you can get answers and, and understand. So it's, is it, is it going to be of great value to someone to spend $1,000 or something, $1,200 for an attorney. And then it turns out, yeah, they didn't have to do too much. Well, okay, fine. But what if they did have to do something, you know, and you didn't know? Um, on the same, by the same token, you know, you might be perfectly comfortable with that. You know, I think it's, I think it's, um, it's just be an educated consumer. Don't let other people make decisions for you. Get the information you need. It's readily available. Talk to the professionals, do your research and make a good decision. Good point. You know, and and, and so. I, I could never imagine, you know, m m the average home today, depending on where you live in the United States, has got to be three hundred and fifty dollars to $400,000, okay, mm -hmm. for, for just for argument's sake. And mm -hmm. I, I could be off $50,000. When you're making a purchase like that, why would you not? And even if the attorney was $2,000, you know what I'm saying, at the closing, it's protection for you to make sure that you've made the right decisions mm -hmm. and you're protected from what you just purchased, okay? Well, and, and it's not even the purchase price because some of the lower price properties can carry the most problems. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, Good point. So, so the problems aren't indicative 
of the price or vice versa, let's say. Um, but here's here's a little cautionary tale. And this is, uh, so I was, um, so I was doing the title work. The title work protects the buyer. So our client was the buyer. Uh, but the seller was a builder. And the builder, great builder, you know, very competent. Uh, but he bought a property out of tax sale. So which means that if you don't pay your taxes or a portion thereof, it can quickly go into you know, a tax sale, and then, you know, it's a, it's called an in-rem foreclosure. And you can, people buy those for, from those foreclosures, and it could be very few, a couple of thousand dollars sometimes for a property. So he, he invested just a few thousand dollars and bought this property. And then he went on to build this beautiful custom home on it, which is what he does. Um, but when I was engaged to do the research and, you know, represent, you know, provide this title insurance to the buyer, we found that because one of the things we have to do, we have to review the entire foreclosure proceedings. It's called a chancery abstract. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it, it just takes the, the entire process step by step by step by step. And we look at it and we analyze what possible defects there are, you know, and some are minor. But this one had a major one. It was called a missing heir. <laughs> okay. So someone, basically their interest wasn't cut off. So he didn't get that done when he bought it at a tax sale for just a few thousand dollars. But remember, now there's this beautiful house on it being sold for like $500,000. So we said, you know, you have to get this person to sign out. And guess what? Now it's not signing out an interest on a couple thousand dollars headache property. It's signing out your interest now on this this five hundred thousand dollar home. Like now, there's wow. some equity, and now there's some money involved. So, although he was on the selling end and I was on the buying end, you know, what we did we teamed up, we worked together, and he was very frustrated at first. But I showed it to him, and it's like, okay, we're we're here, we are, right. and we worked together. He actually we we tracked down that that missing heir. We, he actually went down, we negotiated while well, he, he reached out and we said, you have to get a quick claim deed, sign off. Hopefully he doesn't want to, you know, kind of hold you over the barrel and just squeeze some money out of you because he really could, you know, but anyway, he talked the guy through it. He went down, he got that, he flew down, I think to Georgia, got him, you know, to sign the deed. And I, I you know, that was up to he and the, the, the heir provided us with what we needed to, to cut off that interest. So it was cured. The title defect was cured. That's what we call it. Anyway, um, and our buyer could buy it at free and clear of liens, and that's what we ensure. But it's a cautionary tale because even though he was an experienced land owner and developer and a great guy, it was just an error in judgment of not getting the information, not doing the due diligence. And so yeah, things happen, you know. Anyway, I don't know. That might bore people. But. No, not at all. Gloria, I, I can't thank you enough. This was this was great conversation. And, uh, you know, it enlightened everyone that's going to be listening to this to uh, investment, uh, investment. Investment title. Hey. We're, what a <laughs> well, great. We, let me plug my company. We're absolutely. a great team. I'm. I was impressed day one. I've been with investment title for three years uh, in the capacity of director of business development, which is my favorite thing to do because I get to be an entrepreneur in the world of what I've spent so many years doing. But, um, you know, it's truly the people that do the back end, what I've just been describing, 
that work day in and day out to perfect these transactions. And I get to just go out and share it with people and grow that and really be a value to, you know, the people we work with, the realtors, the lenders, the attorneys, and the home buyers. So anyway, it's a fun thing for me to do. And uh, yeah. Well, I'm going to give like you it. the opportunity right here to tell how, how do people get in touch with you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a phone number. <laughs> right. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> okay. My phone number is 973-841-7929. That's my direct business line. Um, investment title is, you know, we have a website, investment title. Uh, but feel free to reach out to me. I, I'm, I'm more than happy to take calls. And I, I'd love to talk to, I call it the front line, the realtors, the, the loan officers, the attorneys, and, um, you know, put our heads together, how we can team up and really, you know, get our market share together because, you know, we are a team, you know, we're really a team and we bring value to, the people out there buying homes and investing. Well, I want to thank you very much. I'm sure people have- uh, Oh, they're running new, for their phones right running, now. <laughs> running for their phones right now. <laughs> Gloria, thank you so much. Thank you for being a founding member of NLX. Thank all right, you. And uh, looking forward to uh, creating new revenue streams with you. Yay. All right? Okay. All right. All right. Bye. All right. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye.